the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Wonderful to be with you. Another university. I mean, I, I'd love to see the, a list actually compiled. Somebody should do it. Hmm. This is the University of Pittsburgh. Racial minority students at the University of Pittsburgh recently had the opportunity to participate in a separate graduation ceremony to celebrate students of color. And this this is the sad part. There, no, I take that back. There is no the sad part. But a particularly sad part and destructive part is that the entire mainstream media of the United States thinks that if you oppose graduations for students of color, that's racist. Not having separate graduations for students of color, that's not racist. I am more certain than ever. It's a certitude the likes of which I don't have on many matters. I, I'm, I have strong opinions on many matters, strong beliefs, but the level of certitude I have on this is really unparalleled in terms of values, positions, and the like. Truth is the most important value. You know how I extol the virtue of courage. Without courage, there's no possibility of goodness. I, I, I keep that belief. No courage, good cannot prevail. However, there are people who are courageous in the service of lies. Truth still is the most important thing, and that is the great sin, the evil of the left, is that it is a world of lies. You're racist if you think, if you desire that color mean nothing. You are not, you are anti-racist if you extol the importance of race. And I don't know how many of you are listening but I would say that at least a third of you have at least one child who believes the lie that if you have separate facilities, separate activities based on race, that 
is not racist. That is anti-racist. The event titled The Gathering is a special graduation ceremony to acknowledge and celebrate graduating students of color. That's actually the quote, according to The Pitt News. Hmm. University officials said the event, which did not include white participants, is a, quote, chance to build unity. Racial unity is pure racism. I, I, I'd like to understand here, explain why whites cannot have racial unity, but everybody else can. I am opposed to white racial unity, for the record. That's racist. But if black racial unity is good, why isn't white racial unity? So they have you coming and going. Logic and truth don't matter. Victim and oppressor matter. Because all whites are oppressors. Do you know who that damages? It damages white kids. There's no question that it damages society terribly. But do you know who is the greatest victim of this lie? Blacks. You are different, you are separate, and you are a victim. There is nothing worse to tell a human being than to believe that he or she is a victim. That's what therapists do. They should be honest and say, see us at X number of dollars per hour so that we can reinforce your victim status. Not all therapists do, but I would say at least half. Therapists I've talked to say two-thirds, no, three-quarters. It's a chance to build unity and community with one another. Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Vice Chancellor Clyde Pickett told the student newspaper. What would Clyde Pickett be doing for a living (laughs) if he were not a... Uh, an equity, diversity, and inclusion official. You realize how much, jo- how many jobs there are. College graduates are looking for work. It's an industry. Now. No, it's an industry. I mean, uh, what was the the Stanford number was administrators equal the number of uh, what was it students? Yeah, there is a, the same number of administrators as students. So what was it, like 1700 or something? And they're all paid in the, in the high fives and many sixes. So, now, they're all, not every single one is in diversion, ex, equity, and inclusion. But I, I, I would love the college fix or somebody to do the research to, to give us an estimate of the amount of money paid out by these incredibly wealthy colleges in in that arena why is why is black unity important why is that a virtue i'll tell you why they made it a virtue because black unity means black unity around woke or left wing values that's what it means. It also means 
black racial solidarity, but racial solidarity completely breaks down when it comes to a black conservative. So it it really, let's not fool ourselves, it's about blacks unifying as victims, as regarding whites as oppressors, as regarding America as systemically racist, but for because of the conservative world, it is systemically racist from the perspective of what the left does to blacks. Ultimately, the success of our students is our most important priority. So I think any elevation and acknowledgement of our students that allows for space, ah, space, I I didn't think of that one. Space is another vocabulary of the academic left. What what were the other words? Matrix, uh, inter, what is the thing, inter what? Intersectionality. Is there a human living in America who has used intersectionality and not meant some left-wing idea? (laughs) Has anybody ever said in in a conversation to friends, you know, the intersectionality of the matrix leaves us space? (laughs) Space. These people are cliches. What? Some numbers just for the University of Michigan. There's numbers just for the University of Michigan? You put it up on IM? Yeah. Well, bless your soul. You're a good man. All right. This is very important. Let's see. Just the University of Michigan spends more than $18 million on DEI staff salary benefits, a report. So is it fair to say... How many, how many universities are there? Now, not all of them have the money to spend $18 million. I don't even imply that. But it, there's at least 100 Is that fair to say? That are spending that much? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At least 100 yeah. Well, you think of all the Big Ten. Yeah, no, no, exactly. So, that, so that's, that's basically $200 million. So if you include every university, conservatively, I think, a half a billion dollars a year. A year is spent on diversity, equity, and inclusion at our universities. A half a billion dollars, or even more, or or possibly less, like four hundred million dollars a year. And it is it is not only wasted. Uh, if it were wasted, I would actually celebrate the wasting of money at universities because they would have less money to spend on destructive things. It's not wasted. It is spent on people who will brainwash and indoctrinate your child to becoming a liar and not even know it. Running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. 
And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in Dennis Prager under podcast when you sign up. Spelled B-E-E dot com, Bambi.com. Type in Dennis Prager. Whenever I'm down, I call on you, my friend. I call on you, my friend. I continue on the University of Pittsburgh issue. So there is also not only a students of color graduation, this is in addition to the regular graduation, it's a separate one for them. There is also a Latino, I wonder if they call it Latinx. Could you check that? University of Pittsburgh Latinx graduation ceremony, see if anything comes up. And that was on uh, April 28th. That was separate from the students of color one, because we we want to divide Americans as much as possible if we are on the left. LGBT students also had an opportunity to celebrate their community. What What does transgender have to do with gays? How is that a community? It, transgender and gay have nothing to do with one another. They can, can in any given individual instance, but most gays, not most, nearly every gay identifies with his or her sex. LGBT students had an opportunity to celebrate their specific community at a lavender graduation. Did you attend a lavender graduation at the University of Illinois? I can't see you at at a lavender graduation. Not not because of any hostility. I just... Listen, I didn't attend my regular college graduation. I think I went to a movie. (laughs) You didn't either? Yeah. That's fascinating. You probably went to a baseball game. That, yeah, too. yeah, huh? Oh, you probably went to a movie too. Yeah, that's right. That's your thing. Both the Office of Inclusion and Belonging. Oh, that's a beautiful name. The Office of Inclusion and Belonging. Belonging. That's a new yeah, one. A, no, it is a new one. It's very. It, yeah. It's coming all the time. Oh, oh, now it's a big thing. You know why? Because they belong to nothing. The. the there were so many things you belonged to in American history. Some non-governmental organization. You, you belonged to a club. You belonged to a church. You belonged to a synagogue. You belonged to a religious community. You, you belonged to uh, an American group. You belonged to 4-H. You belonged to the Boy Scouts. You, it's endless. They've all been destroyed by the left. Now you belong to the left. It's an actually, it's an accurate term. The Office of Inclusion and Belonging to the Left. That's how we should refer to it. And a separate Office of Equity and Diversity teamed up with Pitt Queer Professionals. 
PQP, the Pit Queer Professionals. It's a truly lost civilization. Still want your kid to go to college? Ceremony is an annual ceremony, quote, is an annual ceremony, this is the announcement, celebrating the achievements of undergraduate, graduate, and professional students in the LGBTQIA plus community across all University of Pittsburgh campuses. Other universities have also held race or sexuality specific ceremonies. University of Chicago student group will host a specific ceremony for black graduate students in June. The event drew criticism from DePaul University professor Jason Hill, a black philosopher and political commentator. The universities are creating racists. Oh my God. I want you to know Jason Hill, I believe you added time to my life. The joy that I had in reading truth, and I I kid you not, I have biofeedback. I feel that a a happiness or joy-inducing rush just passed through my body. The universities are creating racists, and it's a black professor who's saying this. Out of students, because in effect it is painting white students as persons from whom blacks need to be separated, that whites are an intimidating presence. Have we ever had this professor on? Yeah. Yeah, we know him. We know him. Yeah. Good man. Wow. You know what's interesting? One of the one of the other minorities on campus, the campuses are basically composed of minorities now, are Jews. Are there any Jewish graduation ceremonies? Or for that matter, Catholic? How many Catholics are on a campus? Identifying Catholics. How about a Presbyterian graduation service? There, every single one of these separate ones is left-wing oriented. Well, that, would, that shouldn't include a lot of Presbyterians. But you see, the Presbyterian church, like the non-Orthodox synagogues and the, and the liberal Catholic churches, they don't produce young people. So the children of left-wing Christians and Jews are very unlikely, are far more unlikely to identify as a Christian or as a Jew. Why, why bother? This is the state of the university at, at this time, celebrating the opposite of the American Trinity. E pluribus unum in God we trust, liberty. Well, you know how they have shattered in God we trust and how they have shattered liberty. Now you see how they shatter E pluribus unum from many one. Their motto, from many, many.
Four members of a family were murdered in Texas. I suspect many of you have heard about this. And this happened. They were all Honduran uh, immigrants. Is that correct? Imagine that. Four members of a family. I, I think it was five people all together. It's not. I think they're all illegal immigrants. All Ill- illegal immigrants from Honduras. But, of course, the tragedy is the same whether they're legal or illegal. They were murdered, all members of a family. And uh, the shooter, the murderer, this is a new interesting thing. Why don't they say the murderer? Why did they say the shooter? Did they say the stabber if he do, a person does it with a knife? Isn't that odd? Did they never say the murderer or the, even the killer? No. It's, it's the shooter? Yeah. Huh. And this is a uh, this is a conservative uh, website. Five people were killed, including a child. Shot his neighbors. Francisco Oropesa. Man had come to this country before he was illegal, and he was deported five times and came back. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to be deported. You just come back. It's like you're given a free trip back to, to see see your friends back in Mexico. If you're from Mexico, as he was. Two of the women who were murdered, Diana Velasquez Alvarado and Julissa Molina Rivera, were murdered as they lay over their three children trying to protect them. The women also hit a two-month-old baby under some clothes so the shooter wouldn't find him. The four children survived. Oh, my God. The whole thing is beyond belief. The guy had been shooting a gun, and they said to him, could you keep it down? You know, the shooting is is keeping our kid awake. Yeah. And he came in and murdered them. No, we don't have an issue with uh, illegal immigrants, and I am in no way implying that he is typical of illegal immigrants. But the porous border, I mean, Horowitz has just done a new video on people's views of having a border. Was that in New York City that he uh, asked people, are borders racist? And they all said yes. Yeah. We're going to talk to Ami later? Not today. Not tomorrow. today. Tomorrow? Yeah. And then he went down to Texas and he asked Hispanics. And they all said, what, are you crazy? Of course you should have borders. You know what that reminds me of? A day I'll never forget, I was in the largest state penitentiary, penitentiary uh, the one in... Uh, in Louisiana. What was the name of that one again? Uh, Dash State Penitentiary. Angola. That's it. Angola State Penitentiary. Spent the day there, and I have a picture of this. I I asked about 10 men in the prison for murder. They're in there for life. Would you raise your hand if you're for capital punishment for murder? 
And I had, obviously, I had no idea how they would vote. Seven of them voted for capital punishment. Isn't that interesting? It's like these Hispanics who want the border closed. Somehow they think more rationally than the folks who who are not in prison for life. He's still on the loose, this monster. And I'm mentioning that because in, in, in a better world... He would have a speedy trial, a fair trial, but a speedy trial, and be put to death. And to the usual question, oh yeah, Dennis, well, would you be prepared to kill him? The answer is, of course. Of course I would. I'm not advocating something somebody else do on my behalf. Poor family. They had just moved there. Hmm. He's still on the loose. There's an $80,000 reward for him. I hope he doesn't murder more. That's my big worry. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching the My Pillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code PRAGER. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listeners square to the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. Hello, everybody. One of the sea changes that the lockdowns, not COVID, the lockdowns caused. The lockdowns were horrific. They were overwhelmingly destructive. And I said so within two months. You can check the internet. The ability to think rationally is given to all humans, but very few use it. Passion and conformity are far more likely to be the origins of people's positions on things. Anyway, one of the changes is that people work at home. Some companies have now said, all right, come back to the office. A lot of workers are resisting it. So here's a good example of where I can learn from what is called collective wisdom. Have you started or did you for a a while work at home? Is it a good thing, bad thing, middle? 1-8 Prager 776. 
I'm of two minds of it because I could see in some cases it being a tremendous help to a person because they, let's say, are raising children and it gives at least one of the parents a chance to both work and take care of the kids. I I can understand that. I know people who work at home and it's worked out terrifically for them. They could live anywhere they want. They could live in an affordable home rather than having to live in, in many cases downtown where there are not only no homes in general, but it, an apartment is very expensive. On the other hand, not meeting people on a daily basis, I have to believe for many people there is a toll paid, especially if they're single. What, what do they do on a regular basis to meet people? I don't mean meet people to marry, just meet people. 1 8 Prager 776 877 243 7776. You know, I, I could broadcast, and I made this decision years ago, I, I could broadcast from anywhere I want because I, I have the machinery to do so. I can broadcast from home, but I chose to come into the studio and be with people. If there's if there is a solitary profession, I assure you it's talk show host. Right? I mean, uh, you sit basically alone and you talk to people. And of course, I frequently do that on the road. But I chose, and it's it's a better show because I interact with people. Now, some of the people I interact with are troubled souls. I was about to say the nicest thing you've ever said. Yeah, he was about to say it was the nicest thing I ever said with him. And then just as he was about to say it, I said some of them are troubled souls. But, you know, troubled soul doesn't mean you're not a, a nice person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course it's better to interact with people. I, why is that even debatable? So it, it's it's a mixed bag. I mean, obviously, if there were no advantages to working at home, it would be a non-issue. People would have clamored to get back to the office. But I have to believe that there is something beneficial to getting dressed nicely, which even that is dying, which is a very, very big price that the society is paying, terrible price. But generally speaking, you are, most people are dressed way more informally in the house than they are when they go to the office. I mean, there are people who spend the day in, in, uh, I don't know, pajama bottoms. I I don't know what what it might be. And hopefully they would not go to the office uh, wearing pajama bottoms and some T-shirt top. 1-8-Prager-776, how has it worked out for you? And do you agree, even if it's worked out for you, that society is paying a price? 
Of course, there's another price, but I can't say that I, I'm particularly saddened by it. I mean, I, I have sympathy for the businesses that have been terribly affected. But San Francisco, uh, what was it? This major office building that was originally, what, $800 million is now $300 million or something? It was $300 million. It was $300 million, and now it's what? $100 million? $30 million? I don't know. Anyway, it's, 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 it's lost a vast percentage of its equity. Because nobody's going to the office in San Francisco. So all think of all the restaurants, forget the office buildings, just all the restaurants that no longer have customers. It's an interesting question. So does the person who works at home take a lunch break and go to a restaurant? I guess not. They probably eat at home too, Is it, right? Would that make sense? Or have it delivered, Yeah. So you don't socialize that, that way either. You're not around people in the restaurant. You either have the food delivered or you make it yourself. But I, I can see it uh, being advantageous if you're trying to raise kids. I assume in any event. Interesting. Well, this is an interesting one. Bellflower, California, and Mark, Hello. Good morning, Dennis. It's an honor to speak to you. Thank you. I've been, been listening to you for many, many, many years. Um, yeah, Dennis, the uh, the lockdown uh, has created a lot of alcoholics. And what I mean by that is, is before the lockdown, I would I never would drink wine. And during it, I was introduced to it. And now I can't kick it. So I sought help. I'm a vet, and I went to the uh, veterans' hospital, and I was told by my primary care physician that I'm not the only one, that it's a lot of people that are addicted to alcohol now. So that's something that is negative as far as what it's done, and is it's not helping society because I'm missing work. A lot of people are missing work. And I think it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Wow. So you you said you have friends to whom this has happened as well? Yes. Yes. We would we during the lockdown we would uh watch movies and just drink. Well, thank you. Yeah. I I, ho- I hope you get the help and and can uh, recover from that. There is nothing good that came out of the lockdowns. It's amazing that people are not angry at Fauci and the CDC in general, and the NIH, at all of these epidemiologists and scientists who are fools, true fools. And all of the social media that suppressed the dissenting scientists, like the the Great Barrington Declaration from Great Barrington, Vermont. It, I, I wonder if the New York Times even reported its existence, thousands of scientists against the lockdowns. Yeah, that makes sense. Sit around watching uh, movies and drinking. Yeah. Uh, 
But he, he didn't die of COVID. That, that's what they'll say. We ruined his life, but he's not dead, as if that was the option. Yep, either lockdowns or death. We had lockdowns and we had death. And we had ruination and we had cancellation. Give me lockdowns or give me death? No, give me lockdowns and give me death. It's not give me lockdowns or give me death. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. How's it working out for you working from home? And uh, let's see. I don't. It's funny. I I don't know what to take the pro or the con, but I'll try to I'll try to vary it for the sake of honesty. Uh, let's see here. Sugar Grove, Illinois. Hello, and that's Mike. Hello. Hi. Yes. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Um, I heard on the radio a couple of weeks ago about a woman calling her office to say that it, she can work from home on her computer. She wants to sell her house and move out of state. And they said, that's okay. We're letting you go because we're going to outsource your job to uh, somebody in Pakistan. Where did you hear this? <laughs> uh, I, on the radio station, I drive back and forth from here to uh, Indianapolis. Uh-huh, and it's uh-huh. just one of those uh, talk uh, channels, you know, that we're on the same conversation. I wonder how, I do, uh, thank you for calling. I wonder how often that is happening now. Yeah, I didn't, th- you know, I didn't think of that. If you can work from home, why do we need you? We could get somebody working from a home in Karachi. <laughs> I know, I hadn't thought of that. I'd like to know if any anybody else has experienced that. That's fascinating. Newberry, South Carolina. Josh, hello. Hey, great to speak with you, Dennis. Thank this you. My, my, my theory on it, I knew some people that work from home, and I've dealt with people um, as far as trying to get customer service when it seemed like a lot of people, especially when they would answer phone calls, uh, were working from home. And it was it was not the same as before as actually going in. And I think it all depends on the person. Um, there's some people that are great self-starters and self-motivators um, that can get work done from home. And then there's other people that need constant supervision. And when they work from home, there's too many distractions there. Um, you know, they love it. Those are the ones that are fighting to not come back because, you know, they don't have their boss breathing down their neck. They're doing things from home. They're, you know, 
they, they don't have a boss to make sure they only take a 30-minute lunch break and, and all that kind of stuff. So those are the ones that are fighting it the most. But I would be, you know, I would be curious to see, and I, I know there's no way to really look at this, but I, I'd be curious to know what the production levels were for businesses that had their people working from home. And uh, that last caller is exactly right. People need to learn how to value jobs in this country. You know, it kind of reminds, if you don't want to go back to work, they will outsource your job. It's like the people that, uh, you know, demand 15 to $20 an hour to work at McDonald's. Well, that's all well and good until McDonald's automates everything and puts you out of a job. So, you know, it's... What is your what is your work? I, I'm a truck driver. I drive a log truck here in... Uh, so South you South. work from home. <laughs> No, not you're, at all. Your home is your we, truck. We yeah, we didn't close down throughout the whole thing. No, you guys, I, I you guys, guys you, everybody thinks living. of you as national heroes. That's not an issue. Yeah, that I I don't know how that can be assessed productivity. That's a great question. Are people as productive? May are they? Maybe they're more productive. I I. I I have a, somewhat of an agenda. I think that it's healthier for people to get out of the house, but I also think that it is better, for example, that you homeschool your child, and if you can work from home and not go to an office, you might be able to homeschool and work from home. So keep your job. So I, I am torn on the issue. I, I see a, a lot of benefits in, in both directions, but I think people need to be aware of the price I also, to be honest, I don't know why people just don't get tired of being home 24-7. If you work at home and then you dine at home, are you going to go out to a movie? People don't do that either. They watch movies at home. But uh, I don't know. All right, let's see here. Here's a pro home paramus new jersey and uh richard hi hi dennis long time first time thank you so i'm split myself i do understand the law of unintended consequences with regards to commercial real estate that we're seeing across the country although i don't know that down the road that might not be a very good thing converting it over to um since the housing shortage in this country is so terrible, uh, perhaps some of that could be repurposed. But what is never mentioned, um, you said self-starters, with high-producing employees, and yes, any corporation can keep track of your productivity through keystroke logs on your computer to see whether or not you're working wherever you are working, number one. Number two, uh, for someone like my wife, who is a vice president and pushes 60, sometimes 70-hour weeks um, to do her job um, and keep getting promoted over the course of the last five years, uh, the remote work is a real boon to her because she's on the bad box at 7 in the morning. She's up at 5, 5.30. She doesn't log off until 6 or 7. And then the upside to the health is we're buying Whole Foods at the supermarket and making a lot of our own meals, not going out and eating um, lesser foods. And so there's an upside there. And then you also are not, at least to date, I haven't heard anybody mention the fuel savings. She loses when she, we're hybrid now. So she loses an hour each way commuting 
to the office in a car. Now we have a gas uh, sipper for that, uh, but still, she's not working. When she's an hour each way, that's two hours a day, sometimes more, that she could be productive, and she is when she's running. Um, I'm a little it. bit. Yeah, no, you, you've, made, you've made a but, good uh, case. A and lot. finally, yeah. rural opportunity. Red state people are getting hired to jobs that used to only go to people that were within, say, an hour of some major office building. Uh-huh. We're lucky enough to have a home in rural Pennsylvania, and my wife lucked onto someone who is now making tri-state money a mile up a dead-end road, three miles out her front door to the next road. Um, you know, her kids are grown, and she found somebody that's fantastic and hmm. loving it. All right, and well, that, that, that's that's a powerful case. <laughs> he just built his case one after another for its advantages. One of the reasons I'm torn on the issue of staying home and working from home is that I think there's a human price paid if you do that, but the social price is actually in keeping with what I want to see happen. See, the the movement of people to rural areas the movement of people to conservative states is a good thing. The the downtown, I mean, every metropolitan area is left-wing. And the weakening of the metropolitan areas is, is, a, is a good thing because of what I believe are the toxic values that come from there. So I am torn. This is an interesting example, but... Uh, uh, an, uh, let me finish that sentence. An, ex- an interesting example of a micro-macro uh, difference. On the other hand, you, there may not be, in many cases, a micro price. It might actually work out for you individually. But we have to acknowledge as well the the decline, or in some people's cases, the death of the social culture of the office uh, is a factor. People are relating to people far less than, in, I, I, I would say, in American history. Their entertainment is at home. They order in. They work from home. Uh, that's a lot. They don't, they don't work with others. They don't watch movies with others. They don't dine with others. That's right. Good point. They don't shop with others. You order online. got to be some price paid okay yep yeah here's another example of a price paid mesquite texas paul hello greetings from america dennis also known as texas correct Uh, a while ago i had the occasion to make at least a half a dozen calls to a, a walmart service regarding the same transaction and one of the early ones i heard a dog bark I said, is this your dog? He said, well, yeah, I'm working from home. Well, where's home? Columbia. And so I started asking, and virtually all of them 
were in another country and almost all spoke very, very good English. Well, the, the very fact that you uh, asked uh, where are you working from shows that you thought you could converse in English uh, easily. Yeah, that's very interesting. Columbia, you heard a Colombian dog bark calling Walmart. <laughs> and, oh yeah, the transaction was never resolved. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, okay, that's a totally separate issue. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to see data on that as well. How many American jobs have been lost because of remote work? From I have to believe from the employer's position. What does he care if your, your remote is in Texas or your remote is in Colombia? That's right. Wow. Alvin, Texas, the famous Tom of Alvin, and I mean it. He is famous. Good morning, Dennis. Um, so I have mixed thoughts about the uh, the lockdowns, but overall it's been good for me. And uh, my wife said that she really enjoyed having me home full-time. So in my company, uh, we were home full-time for basically two years, and now the uh, extent is to return to the office half-time. So there are a lot of people that are upset about that. But the way that I view it is that working from home was a blessing and returning to the office is a removal of a breath blessing rather than adding of a curse. Well, that, and, well that's intelligent, which I, I'm now, not surprised. Having yep. said all of that, yep. said all of that if, I, if I were working in an office with Alan Estrin and Sean McConnell, I'd be there every day. That, that is hilarious. That is true. That is classic Tom of Alvin wit. I wonder if his wife appreciates his wit. I'm not kidding. We know Tom of Alvin. He's a regular uh, witty observer of this program. Alan stepped out for a moment. So Tom and Alvin, Texas said he's very happy to work home. His wife loves having him there now full time, but if he had Sean McConnell and Alan Estrin in the office every day, he would come in every day. That's an interesting thought. It's a total insult to everybody else who works on the show. But uh, Alan actually smiled, okay? He want, yeah, Sean is asking. That's a victory, Tom. Tom, you're one of eight people uh, in the life of Alan Estrin who made him smile. That, that's impressive. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager, The Ultimate Issues, our third hour every Tuesday. Some great issue of life. Getting close. I have a verse from the Bible that even if you are an atheist, you will find fascinating and completely relevant, in my opinion, to our time. It's a provocative idea that I would like to offer. And I'm merely citing it because I want you to understand that 3,000 years ago, there was an insight that is so completely relevant to today and one that very few people think about on the race issue in the United States. 
So, this is uh, a remarkable thing. There is, what is it, 23, what, 11? Is that correct? 23-7, correct. Yeah. So, listen to this. Here's a, a, a law in the Bible you probably never recall or never heard of to begin with. Do not hate an Egyptian, for you were a stranger in his land. Okay. So a law was given to the generation that escaped slavery not to hate Egyptians, their slave masters, who not only were their slave masters, but at some period threw uh, baby boys into the Nile to drown. Do not hate an Egyptian. What is my point? Why is it relevant? Do you think that it would be nice if there were voices in America that said, do not hate a white? What do you think? 1-8 Prager 776. If you're black, it would be of particular interest to uh, get your call. Uh, I believe that such a proposition to black America would be extremely helpful. And you would have a biblical basis, though of course the Bible doesn't have nearly the clout today that it did 100 years ago, or even 50 years ago. Nevertheless, it's really something. The Israelites escape Egypt, and one of the first rules they have is do not hate an Egyptian. They're not asked to love them. Well, they're asked to love the stranger, but that's a separate issue. But they're not asked to love them. For that matter, you're not asked to love your parents. 1-8 Prager 776 do you, A, do you think that it would be beneficial if there were voices saying that to black America? Second, is it worthy of saying? Maybe you'll say, what are you kidding? Whites deserve all this hatred. And it is. It's the left, the left espouses hatred of whites daily. Every white is a racist is as hateful a statement as you could make. I can't think of a more hateful statement to a group than every one of you is a piece of crap. Can you? Because a racist is a piece of crap. That, I believe that. It is an amazing thing what you can say about whites and uh, then get tenure at a university. Whereas if you defend whites, you are lost, baby. And I mean lost. So here, here is a challenge from a 3,000-year-old text. So my question is, is there any voice that is saying this to black America? B, does it need to be said? That's, is it fair to say it? Does it need to be said? 877 
triple seven six. Did I get that melody right, Sean? Do not hate an Egyptian. It is an amazing rule for people who just left slavery. But wouldn't you think that if it's applicable to a people who just escaped slavery, were just liberated, it's many more times applicable to people who were liberated, let's see, 100 and what is it, 60 years ago, 100, yeah, about 160 years ago, a little less. And by the way, liberated by whites who died in the hundreds of thousands in a war over that very issue, slavery. This is a great example of the relevance of the Bible to modern times. Most people don't even know it exists. Just in case you're curious, by the way, and I'll bet some of you are, it's Deuteronomy. And incidentally, I might note that my commentary on the book of Deuteronomy is the most recent of my rational Bible series. It is meant to be life-changing in the best sense, my series of the rational Bible. Deuteronomy just came out. Most recently, I'm now working on Numbers, and then Leviticus. Deuteronomy 23, 7. Do not hate an Egyptian. Wow. Do not hate a white. Is there a single voice in this country saying don't hate whites? Seriously, isn't that something when you think about it? If a white says it, he's called a racist or a white supremacist. If a black says it, he's called a an Uncle Tom. Yeah, Larry Elder, Tatum. yeah well, Brandon Tatum, Larry Elder. That's true. No, that's fair. That's very fair. And so in the L.A. Times, they called Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. I would say that in a sense, that is what makes a black a dissenter, just saying, don't hate whites. That's that's enough to have you loathed by the left and by the left-wing institutions such as those of the in the black community. It's just that alone. You know, uh, hey guys, we really don't have a reason to hate whites. It is an amazing thing. All right, let's see here. Okay, let's go to Carl in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, thank you for calling. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Good, good. Uh, Long-time listener, love your show, love what you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I want to move on and and disagree with you on this um, because the way that I read Deuteronomy is that applying to the Israelites as guests, and black Americans are not guests, 
And the minute you start to diminish our role by calling us guests, you're going to lose people. You lost me. Wait, um, wait, we wait, are wait. Not who, who, who said that the Israelites were guests? They oh, were what, slaves. Can you read Deuteronomy again? Yeah. yeah. Right. But, but what the Bible is saying is don't hate them because you're guests in their land. Is that right? No. That it's, right? It, it, okay, I'll give you the entire sentence, so maybe that, that will help. I'm not sure. Do not hate an Edomite a group with whom they had battles, for he is your brother, because they were related ancestrally. Do not hate an Egyptian, for you were a stranger in his land. And what okay. they, the reason for the addition, as I understand it, is there repeatedly, one of the few laws constantly repeated in the Torah is uh, you shall love the stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So you can identify with being a stranger and being mistreated, please don't mistreat the stranger in your land. Okay, the, the, the translation version of the Bible I had said guest, you're saying stranger. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on, yeah, because I, yeah. I, I need to talk to you because I, I want to persuade you. It's a rare time I say that. Hello, everybody. Ultimate Issues Hour. There's a verse in the Bible, Deuteronomy, do not hate the Egyptian, which is an amazing, amazing statement given that it was given to people who had just left hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. And I'm saying that I wish that there were voices saying the same thing to black America, do not hate the white. So Carl is differing. And do you do you now understand that the Israelites were slaves, not guests? Yes, I do. I'm I'm glad that you clarified that. I'm I'm still a little bit unclear about whether that prohibition applies specifically to the Israelites and their condition, or is it generally applicable uh, to people who are ensla- enslaved? And That's right. I think yes. By the and, way, I I would have no issue as a Jew. Uh, if somebody said, do not hate the, the Germans. Based on that verse. Based on that verse. But the condition of those people was they left that land, correct? Well, yeah, God, well, the, the story is that God and Moses took them out. Well, that's not our case. We haven't been taken out of this land. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, no, yeah, but you you were taken you were taken out of slavery, and and uh, listen, no, you know, no Egyptian fought for uh, the Israelites to be free, whereas plenty of whites fought for blacks to be free. So, if anything, the whites deserve less enmity than Egyptians did. That that very well may be the case. I'm just not sure if this applies to the a, a group of people who have who emigrated, left, and now we're on their own feet. Talking about strangers, don't hate the strangers that enter into your land because you were strangers. Right. And that's not really the case. That's not really the case for Black Americans. Uh, we did not emigrate, get on our own feet, have our own thing, and right. now the, we're being the, admonished not right. to hate others because we were enslaved. Right. The, the parallel, the parallel isn't with how they got there. The parallel is with this being enslaved. That, that's that's how I that's how I read it. The precondition, but the precondition of the admonition is that you've emigrated. 
No, that's the precondition, precondition of the... Okay, uh, that's an interesting read. I've never thought of that. I don't think it is the precondition. I think the precondition is you were slaves. Now you're free, but I want you to stop hating them because you got, you, you've got left the bondage. Understood. All right, um, thank I you. You're, you're a pleasure. So I repeat my theme. I wish that there were voices, in, in fact, religious voices... Uh, but secular voices just as much saying black Americans do not hate the white. They, that's, that's a big one. And this is a, uh, a very big deal in, uh, in the Bible or from the Bible. It's a big deal that people don't know about. Stan on the big island in Hawaii. Hello. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Oh, can uh, you hear me, my friend? You're a little hard to hear there, so just speak up a little. Can we change the subject, Dennis, please? I'm sorry. No, 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 we can't. <clears throat> that, that, that's, that's, um, f- forgive me, I'm sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll try to take you on Friday. I, this is the subject, and I, I really do want to discuss it. It's a very uh, important uh, important one. Okay, let's go to Tom in Philadelphia. Hello. Hey, Dennis. How are you doing today? I'm well. I just heard you said, as a Jew, you wouldn't hate Germans, but what, is it okay to hate Nazis? Yeah, because I, 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 hate, I hate Ku Klux Klaners. I... I I hate. But I you're hate, not I do to hate anybody. The Bible says, really. No, no. I, I mean, well, not, not. And so you think the people that were enslaved and killed, like that, does it, that's not the same? No. Wait. Okay. So there are two separate as subjects. The Jews, for, like what the wait, Egyptians wait. did to the Jews, that's not the same as, as what the Nazis did. Right. It's a no. So what you're? It's a very interesting. That's a very good question. So there, there are two, or at least two issues here. At what point do you stop hating the people who did evil? And uh, at uh, you, you and I would agree if a, if a uh, a Jew today, three thousand years later, hated Egyptians because they were enslaved three thousand years earlier, it would be ludicrous. Do we agree on that? Correct. Okay. So the issue then is the time one. But you change the subject. I'm not saying this as a criticism. I just want you to be aware. Uh, there are three. You've raised three subjects: hating Nazis, hating anybody, and and uh, hating the Egyptians. So let's go to the Nazis. Yes, okay. I hate people who who espouse cruelty and evil. So uh, uh, and there is no admonition to to your second point that you can't hate anybody. Uh, in fact, there is an admonition. Those of you who love God must hate evil. It's true. It's hate evil. It doesn't say hate evil yep. doers, but nevertheless, it's hard to hate evil. And I don't see any admonition to love evil doers. And just one question, like on the Nazis, like in Ohio this past weekend, the Nazis were protesting against the transsexuals out in Ohio. Who do you side with that? Well, it's not, wait, okay, it's not hard to say two sides are wrong. 
I, I don't find that morally complex. Transvestites? No, no. The, no the, trans, the, the trans people are not evil. The trans okay. ideology is evil. Or let's put it this way, leads to evil. It isn't in and of itself. But the idea, some of it is evil. Uh, that I will have a minor girl who says she's a boy and have her breasts cut off, uh, that's evil. If that's not okay. evil, I don't know what okay, is. I understand that. So okay. do you hate Nazis, just bottom line? Yeah, I do hate Nazis. Okay, thank you. Have a great day, Dennis. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that should, You know what? That should be a recording. Do you hate Nazis? Yeah, I do. Okay, have a nice day. What am I supposed to think about people who would like to reopen Auschwitz to exterminate human beings because of their ethnicity or religion? Yeah, I'm glad I chose this topic. It obviously, uh, first, has produced some very intelligent challenges. And his challenge was a good one. These people had just been enslaved. You know, maybe two generations later, but why were they told not to hate Egyptians? I'll actually, I'd like to uh, offer a thought on that when we return. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here. I've taken a verse from the Bible. My latest commentary of the Bible is on Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 23.7. Do not hate an Egyptian. So the, the Jews, the Israelites, told right after getting out of Egypt, don't hate Egyptians. It's a remarkable law. Most people are completely unaware of its existence, and I am raising it because I wish that there were voices today saying to black America, don't hate the white, or don't hate a white. That, that would be a, a, a great example uh, of uh, using the Bible to give a really, really needed message today. So uh, the issue was raised by, uh, I think, the last caller among the issues he raised. Given that they had just escaped horrible conditions of slavery, why were they told this? I mean, I because I had said earlier, you know, when I was asked about the Germans, and I or I, I volunteered that I don't hate Germans as a Jew, but what about the generation of Jews that had just been delivered from the Holocaust, the, the handful that survived the extermination of Jews? Well, I'll tell you this, Viktor Frankl had been in a concentration camp and he lost relatives or murdered by the Nazis for being Jews. The great psychoanalyst whose book, one of whose books, is one of the ten that most influenced my life, Man's Search for Meaning, and he was asked, do you hate the German race after World War II ended? And he said, no, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent, which is my motto in life. I divide the world between the decent and the indecent. 
not between any other groups. That's my biggest division. I think it's God's biggest division as well. So the the question remains, when do you, when are you permitted you can you're permitted to hate people who are doing horrible evil to you? Uh, I know there are those who of course cite Jesus love your enemy. I don't think he meant it in terms of the evildoer. I think he meant in private life where you have a, a feud with somebody. Maybe I'm wrong. I, maybe he would have said to the Jews during the Holocaust, don't hate Nazis. I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he would have or wouldn't have. I think he would not have, but I obviously that's just my assumption. But my direct answer to that question is they had escaped slavery and the Egyptians had paid a steep price. That's that's a big I think that's a big factor in the immediacy of not hating the Egyptians law. Okay, uh let's go to Cleveland and Tom. Hello. Hello, Dennis. That's right. Hey, you know, I, I one topic, I hope I'm not too far off your topic, but nobody ever mentions that the descendants should really be grateful that their ancestors were brought to the United States, to America. Well, you'll be, hated, you'll be hated for saying that, and I'll be hated for not taking issue with you. However, before the hatred begins... I should like to note to everybody that there is a book by a very uh, important black reporter, I don't know if he's still operating for the Washington Post, Keith Richburg, and this book made this point many years ago, 2009, it was published, Out of America, A Black Man Confronts Africa, and Needless to say, just like my caller, is not defending slavery, but he's saying that the descendants of the slaves, in effect, have lucked out living in America. How many black Africans want to move to America today? How many millions? Four million blacks from the Caribbean and Africa have moved to America. I'm not talking about slaves. Out of America by Keith Richburg. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.